0: Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. If you can remember back to two weeks ago, we started a series entitled Outlook, where we talked about the God of creation who created the heavens and the earth and all things uh, possible and sometimes we just don't properly uh, view God uh, in the context of who he is. And so we're going to continue that series this morning. We're going to talk about how we should view ourselves. And I just love the way that God works. I was reading for class this week and I came across a quote by uh, uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, who is a uh, theologian, said this. The job of the church is not to make the world more just, but to make the world more the world. The job of the church is not to make the world more just, but to make the world more the world. And what he means by that is that oftentimes, as believers, we feel like it's our job to make the world more like God. It's our job to make the world more uh, 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 ethically moral. It's our job to, to 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 do certain things in the church in order that people might see this, uh, this religion that we've created in and of into ourselves, and then maybe people will want to come and be a part of what we're doing. Um, I fall victim of that sometimes, and it's not necessarily totally untrue, but there is an element of not truth to that. You see, Christians are just like everyone else nowadays. The only difference is we decide to show up at church on some Sundays. And when I said some Sunday, some of the saints said amen. And we don't necessarily have anything in our lifestyles or anything that is different from uh, the world than us. And I'm sorry, I'm using terms that maybe some people are not familiar with. The world is simply anyone who's not in Christ. And so today we're going to talk about what is, and when we're looking at our outlook, what is our job as believers? Did you know that you had a job as a believer? What is our job as believers? The world cannot know that it is the world unless there is an alternative lifestyle to the world's lifestyle. The world cannot properly discern that they are not in Christ unless there is an alternative lifestyle to the world's lifestyle. Have you ever met anyone and you know they just live this entirely carnal life? Their life does not reflect Jesus. It does not reflect God in any way, shape or form. But in their minds, they think they're quite spiritual. Some of you ain't nodding your head because it's you. You looked at that man in the mirror this morning. And see, unless people are able to encounter people that are not in the that the people that are not of the world yet they live in the world then the world will continue to be what the world is. And today we're going to talk about what is your job? What is your position as a believer? As a believer. We won't delay any. If you have a Bible, meet me at Colossians chapter 2. Last week we were in Colossians chapter 1. This week we'll be in Colossians chapter two weeks ago. Sorry, I don't know what you preached about, Jay. I haven't listened to the podcast yet, but I heard it was good, though. I heard I got a tough act to follow this morning, so thank you for that, Jay. (laughs) My wife came home last week. I said, how'd Jay do? She said, he killed it. I said, dang it. (laughs) <laughs> and we know that when we were talking last week, uh, two weeks ago, sorry, we were talking about the Colossian heresy. Remember that? Anybody? Y'all don't remember what I said two minutes ago. Never mind. We we're talking about the Colossian heresy where the church in Colossae were falling victim to uh, 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 being introduced to all these different notions, all these different ideas about what Christianity really was. And, and and Paul had to write to them to let them know that it was all about Christ. And so here's the second part of that this morning. Colossians chapter 2, we we'll we're starting in verse 6. Uh, he said, therefore... As you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. I want you to, if you highlight in your Bible, if you write in your Bible, uh, uh, I want you to underline walk in him. Oftentimes in our Christian walk, we say we walk with the Lord. But in Colossians chapter two, he's specifically saying walk in him. And he's introducing us to this idea of where we are positionally in Christ, he says, "Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him. What does that mean? That means that you will be rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. He says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Why? For in him, the whole fullness of the deity of God dwells bodily. The deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head and the rule and all authority. Watch this. If you're still underlining things in him, underline that. As you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting on the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. I'm still sick, y'all. Having been buried, watch this, with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead, and you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumph triumphing over them, watch this, in him. Now, if you read that passage underlining every time you saw in him, you notice that we saw in him a lot of times. And so God is telling us in this particular passage of Scripture that being in Christ is vitally important. It's it's, it's vitally important. It's vitally important because they were uh, being taught this heresy, and he said in uh, verse 8, I'm sorry, verse 7, he said that if you walk in him, you will be rooted and built up and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Oftentimes, as believers, what happens is we leave the elementary things of our faith and we forget that we were crucified with Christ. We were baptized in him and we go on with our lives and we begin to live our lives in a way that we need other things to come in and supplement our lifestyle. We need other things. It's not Christ is not enough sometimes. And so this is what was happening with the Colossian heresy. They were bringing in all these other things, all these other philosophies, all these other ways of thinking that were based in the world, the elemental spirits of the world. And they were not Christ. Listen, I say this all the time. The Christian walk is a very simple walk. It's a very, very, very simple walk. Yet it's hard. Somebody said you just spoke an oxymoron. I learned that word before. (laughs) It's a very simple walk. It says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you might be asking, well, how do I love God? Well, Jesus made it clear. He said, if you love me, you do what I say do. If you love me, you you your own authority over your own life, and you simply do what I am telling you to do. Oftentimes, in our Christian walk, we say it can't be that easy, so we got to do other stuff. I got to wake up in the morning and pray 15 hours before I go to work. I got to go out and I got to feed the homeless. I got to go and I got to do these things. And listen, that is a good thing to do based upon what God has called us to do. But that is not what you need to do in order to maintain your position in Christ. Some of us, we can't walk the Christian walk because we do not know what the Christian walk is for one. But secondarily, we feel like we're unworthy to walk with God. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants you warts and all. God has raised up this church, not only this church, but other churches around the city to live in a way that God has prescribed for us to live in order for him to get glory out of our lives. But we think it's all about just showing up on Sunday morning, raising our hands and saying, so will I. We think it's all about coming to church. And, and, and when people say, how are you doing? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. And When you know deep down inside, you're falling apart. Your job as a believer is to maintain your position in Christ. And we're going to talk about this this morning. It's to maintain your position in Christ, to walk worthy of the calling that you have been called with in him. He's never told you to be the best you. He's told you to live out your life the best that Christ can live through you. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Let's go back to the text. He says, I'm going to walk this morning. When I'm sick, I got to walk, y'all. He says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Watch this. Rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught, right? Colossians 2 says that we are supposed to walk with God. It infers this active activity that you are doing something as you walk in him. You're not just sitting stagnant. You're not just sitting here waiting on the Lord to to show up and show out in your life. But you have to actively be engaged in this walk. You have to be actively doing something in him. And when you actively walk with God, watch this, the Bible says in verse 7, you will be rooted in him. Paul, in the book of Colossians, he's using right now, he's using these different um, um, metaphors or analogies to describe our relationship with God, how we're positionally in God. He said rooted. When I think of rooted, I think about uh, maybe three or four weeks ago when we talked about blessed is the man who who doesn't sit in the counsel of the ungodly. But he meditates on the word and he is rooted in the word. Listen, some of us are falling apart because we haven't let our roots go deep in God. Some of us are falling apart and we're trying to bear fruit in our life, but you can't bear fruit if your roots ain't right. Anybody tired of being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, hearing the word week after week and going home and knowing that you can't live that thing out? Maybe you're not rooted in God. Maybe you're not maintaining your identity in Christ. Maybe when you hear the word, you're like the parable of the sword. You hear the word, you get excited about it, but before you even walk out the door and leave the parking lot, the enemy comes and steals the word from you, and you're never allowing the seed to take root in your heart. It's time out for casual Christianity. I can't even talk this morning. Casual Christianity. Some of y'all might be saying, Pastor, why you got a hymn in your crawl this morning? Listen, I got a phone call this week that my uncle had died and uh, my family called and they say, well, we want you to preach the eulogy. Right. My mama had eight brothers and sisters. Four of them are gone. I preached two of the eulogies. And when I have these kind of weeks, it just gets me to thinking we act like God is going to suffer and forbear with us forever. And you ain't got to get old like my uncle and my auntie and them to leave this earth. Young folks are checking out every single day. And we're living our lives like our lives are our own. We're living our lives as Christians sometimes like we're straddling the fence. We're living our lives like like, like we're going to stand before God and God is going to say, you know what, I knew you was just tired. You didn't have to do the stuff I asked you to do. I knew you had Netflix to watch. I know you had a career that you had to really get beat after your career. I'm so proud of you for working hard and getting that 3.5 bedroom and having them 2.5 kids and a dog in the backyard and barbecues on the weekend. I'm so proud of you. It's a hard word, but it's right. We've come to a place where we live so selfishly like Jesus is not on the throne. Like he hasn't given us a mandate for the way that we should live our lives. Like Jesus is our plus one through life. Just me and my BFF, my co-pilot. Jesus is not your co-pilot. And he will not take the wheel. (laughs) Just get in the backseat and ride, baby. And don't try to be a backseat driver while you're back there. He said, rooted in him. And then he says, when you're rooted in him, he uses another metaphor. He said, and built up in him. Rooted in him and built up in him. Listen, we have this mentality that we are only human. I'm only human. Anybody born in the 80s? Flesh and blood the same. Right? Right? I'm only, you too young, Tanya, don't worry about that, born to make mistakes, right? And Jesus wants to use us warts and all. He wants to use us mistakes and all. And see, we have to be better students of ourselves when we understand that we are in Christ because he wants to use that part of you that's like him, that's created again in his image. But we haven't been able to be built up in him and allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify those things inside of us that are redeemable. Some of you think you just got an attitude because your mom and them had an attitude. Maybe God has put a fire on inside of you that he wants to sanctify. But you just leave it at that attitude. You're using it in a carnal way. I can't believe they just sit up here and get excited about the things of God. He's wired you that way with purpose. Some of you, 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 just bossy. You get things done. You don't get it done right, but you get it done. Maybe if you allow that to be in Christ and allow all that to filter through Christ, he can use that and he can sanctify you and you will be built up in him. That's where he's trying to get us, church. Everybody under the sound of my voice, you have a gift, at least one. God wants to cultivate that gift. God wants to use that gift. God wants to bring that thing into fruition because the primary thing that he's he's gifted you with, he will use to sanctify you. Y'all hear me say this all the time I got a gift of Gab, but I don't like being in front of people sometimes. I I tell y'all what I got sick Saturday night. And I was in bed till Friday. I was living my best life. (laughs) People start texting me. I'm like, I knew they won't come back. My kids will tell you where your daddy at. He in the room. That's me. But I know God has called me to something different. I know he's called me to somebody say, well, that, that, that would just be torture. You doing what you do, knowing that you're an introvert. But I know God is going to use the best part of me. And so I gotta lay my stuff aside and say, God, build me up in you. I can't be the way I wanna be. And I can't even be the way that you naturally created me to be. Because I just but but, but, but but what I need to do is do what you've called me to do. What's God called you to do? He's called you to do your job. He's called you to walk in him. He's called you. Watch this. I know some of y'all are loving the Super Bowl for to come up in a couple of weeks. And he's called you to get in your position. It looks stupid, a big old defensive tackle out there trying to throw, throw, throw a touchdown pass. He'd be out of position. God is calling you to get in your position that is in Christ. See, I don't think we understand things positionally because we don't really have in our culture, in our Western culture, we don't really have these positions that are just positions that are positions for life. Right? Back in the day, in Jesus' day, you were the king, you were a Pharaoh, you were these things. Listen, you were that because you were born into that. Could nobody take it away from you? Could nobody impeach the Pharaoh? Listen, he ain't acting like a pharaoh. That is not becoming of a pharaoh. Now, let's get together and impeach him. It wouldn't happen, right? We live in a democratic republic, though. You the starter on the basketball team, somebody comes along, and you are not doing what's best for the team, they sit you on the bench. And some of us are living our lives because we've messed up in our lives and we've done certain things in our life. Like God has set us on the bench. Listen, God is not taking you out of your position. The church will just not move forward because you're out of position. Some of y'all say God will just send somebody else, but he wants to use you. He wants to use you. I'm going to ask this question, and again, I'm just feeling some kind of way because i got to preach a funeral this week because I know funerals are final. You can sit there and you can you can lay out across the cabinet, ca- the casket and cry for Big Mama. Big Mama ain't getting up, and if she did get up, everybody in that funeral hall will run up out that funeral hall, right? You know it is final. Big Mama ain't coming back. You can cry all you want to, but Big Mama is in the presence of the Lord, and what Big Mama was called to do, if she ain't did it yet, she got to answer to God for that. And the Bible says that he'll wipe away every tear from our eye. I believe that we'll be crying because we were like, God, I just, I, just I, oh, man, the Messiah was on Netflix. I had to watch five episodes. God, I just didn't feel like it. God, I know you called me to do it, but I was scared, Lord. We're going to stand before God. And give account. And the craziest thing, listen, this is the scariest scripture in the Bible to me. This is the scariest scripture in the Bible to me. The Bible says there will be people who will stand before the Lord and say, did we not prophesy in your name and do all these great things in your name? He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Are you in Christ? If you're in Christ, are you in position? We act like it's a it, 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 it's a volunteer thing. I show up when they when, when when I feel like showing up. They lucky to have me. Jesus, you're lucky to have me. Sorry. After the funeral, I'll be back to normal, y'all. He'll establish you. He says, just as you were taught, abounding in the faith. Listen, as you learn from God, as you take in the word of God, you will be rooted, you will be established, you will be in position. And he says like this, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Because we're not established in the word, because we're not in position. A lot of us in the church, a lot of us in the church are being taken captive by these worldly ideologies that sound good. It sounds like it makes sense. And the challenge is we pick and choose what we want to believe in the Bible like some kind of buffet. This is a challenge of, uh, of the church in Colossae. They're picking and choosing. Well, I'm gonna worship an angel. I'm gonna worship my big mama them over there because you know we we the ancestors. We got we got to give homage to the ancestors, and we got to do this, and we got to do this. And God and He's saying, listen, listen, listen. It's all in Christ. You ain't gotta add all this other stuff to the knowledge that you have in Christ. I can't tell you how many pounds people. I can't tell you how many times people will say, man, I want an in-depth Bible study. Just an in-depth Bible study. I say go to every scripture that talks about obedience. Yeah, I don't read them. I want something more (laughs) in-depth. You're just saying you want to learn the Greek and the Hebrew so you ain't got to obey it. doing numerology and all this old kind of stuff. You see, if you look at the Bible, he did it seven times. Seven is the number. of you just getting too deep for your own good. Read the text. Do what the text says. Read the text again. Do what the text says. If you ain't able to do what the text says, read it again and then do what the text says. And you won't be taken captive by these philosophies. That's literally being imprisoned. And if we're being honest, some people in the room today, when I preach, I get emails because you've been taken captive by certain philosophies that you can't reconcile with the Bible. And then the pastors and the elders, we got to come get you Liam Neeson style because you've been taken. Don't let anybody take you captive with of This empty and vain. And one of the things right now, and I'm just on my horse right now. And one of the things right now, I hate the way that the church is being divided by, about identity politics. I'm this, and I'm this, and you're looking for your special little social club if, to, to, for, for some reason. So you, I ain't going to that church over there because they do this and they sit down somewhere. And the church can't be unified because you're making who you are who you think you are. Because a lot of people think they something that they not. People are thinking they some crazy stuff nowadays. And I'm not trying to talk about mental illnesses or something like that. But I was on the internet the other day. Stay off the internet. The internet getting crazier and crazier. There are people who think they ponies. Y'all seen this? <laughs> they trans species. You saw it, brother? I almost turned through my internet. I, I'm going to throw the computer out the window. You trans species now. They got bits in their mouth. They got these riding crops. They're running around. They're hopping over stuff. Some of them are pulling wagons. I wish I could make it up. I would put it on the screen, but it was kind of, I was like, oh, we can't show that at church. Can't come to church because we don't allow pets in church. Sorry. If I wasn't a pastor, I wouldn't be invited back. It says, according to elemental spirits. That word is actually, in the day, they had these spirits that were dangerous. And sometimes in the church, we even plan with spirits that are dangerous. That are dangerous. Some of the stuff that you're participating in or people you know are participating in is dangerous. And we wonder why we can't be established in God because we're participating in dangerous stuff. It don't look like a spirit, but to me, it looked like a spirit. It walked like a spirit. It sounded like a spirit. And it ain't the right spirit. I'm going to move on. So you're doing all this stuff and not according to Christ. It says, for in him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. And you were, you have been filled in him. Let's do a quick math equation real quick. Any mathematicians in the room? Any mathematicians in the room? Okay, yeah, I know y'all scientists. Y'all went to science school. (laughs) In him dwells the fullness of the deity of God in his body. Right? One. That's one variable. Right? That's the right word? Okay. Yep, that's one variable. In him dwells the fullness of God bodily, right? And you have been filled in him. I'm doing the math here. I'm a subpart of the main. I'm connected with that first variable because I'm inside that first variable. Anybody following? Anybody tracking? When you take divinity and you place humanity inside of divinity, it makes that thing that divinity is in supernatural. That's why the Bible says we no longer look at him according to the flesh. Because what happened is Jesus, he came and he brought his spirit. And the spirit, when we become believers, it jumps on the inside of us. He gets on the inside of us. And the Bible tells us that we are filled in the spirit. And his spirit quickens our spirit and makes our spirit that was once dead alive. Now we have supernatural access to the master who's above because we are now communing in our spirits. Listen, you're not just human. You're not simply just Joe Schmo. You're bigger than the thing inside of you that Big Mama said was never going to be no good. Most of us are living our lives right now trying to please our third grade teacher who said we ain't going to never be nothing. Some of us are living our lives for our dead grandmother, trying to make her proud. Listen, grand, listen, she ain't going to be more proud than you. That she can. Be. Listen, listen, Big Mama ain't going to be proud. If Big Mama's in the presence of Jesus, she ain't worried about what you're doing down here. I almost made it to the back row, Dean. I ain't never made it back here before. How y'all doing back here? Y'all looking nice. There's some mathematicians right there. i just going to sit back here and preach back here. You've been filled in him. Watch this. Him who? Who's him? Get yeah, who's him? Watch this. Him who is the head of all rule and authority. We just sang that song. I love that song. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. You're in him. Positionally. Positionally, you're in him. The Bible teaches us that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? We need to start. I'm getting ahead of myself. Colossians chapter three tells us we need to start thinking about heavenly things because we're seated in heavenly places. Any hackers in the room? Don't raise your hand around. I know you are. Chris, put your hand down. One thing that hackers will do is they will they will they, 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 they will hide where they're actually located. They will hide where they're actually located. You think you've been hacked from down the street. They sit up in Russia somewhere. Right? This is essentially what happens when we're in the kingdom of God. We're down here and we're moving and and, and, and we're doing all these things, but in him we live and move and have our being and we're actually seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You have to understand What that means positionally, I got a good friend. I got a good friend. I got a good friend. He's the lead chaplain of the Houston Rockets. And because of his position, he ain't never got to get to have a ticket to the Houston Rockets game. Right? He go to all the Rockets games. He, he, he probably wasn't even at the game last night because he go to so many Rocket games and it was with Rockets and the Lakers. He's just like, man, you know, traffic. Like, it's just so calm. We be all up on We be courtside. We be high fiving, right? Because we've never been able to do certain things. But positionally, because of the position that he's in, he can go into any Houston Rocket game anytime he wants to. Right? If I were to ride with him in the car, guess where I'm going to be? courtside. Not because I'm a chaplain of the Houston Rockets, but because positionally I'm seated with him in his car when he pulls into the stadium. And when he walks in, I walk in like I own the place. I'm gonna walk in like I'm opposed to be there. I know suppose I'm opposed to be there. Go sit down next to the beer. James Harden, what's up, bruh? He'd be looking at me like, who is this dude you brought with you? (laughs) So you don't know me and Malcolm go way back. That's the way we should be living in Christ. When situations and circumstances come our way that make us want to fold, when we're not rooted and we're not built up, we don't know how to act. But when we're built rooted and built up, when situations and circumstances come my way, when the, when, when the winds of life talk, try to toss me to and fro, I say, you don't understand some things, winds and waves. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, the enemy, he knows that you are not happy with yourself. He knows that you think that you're not worthy, that you ain't supposed to ride the game with him. He knows these things. But, baby, I'm sitting in the front seat. That doesn't mean that won't be stress, struggle, and strain. That doesn't mean you won't feel the wind and waves. But guess what? I'm going to snuggle up next to Jesus and put my head down on that wet pillow. You have to understand who you are. You have to understand whose you are. And you have to understand what position you're in. I talked about impeachment a while ago. I really don't want to get into this because I don't like talking politics at church. But one of the things with our current administration is we say he doesn't act very presidential. And some people will agree. Right. No matter what you think about his politics, he doesn't act very president. He get on Twitter and blast people. First president in history that I've been on Twitter talking about folk. And we'll get petty with them. Right. We say that's not what a president is supposed to do. That's not how presidents are supposed to. It's new to us. I ain't against the law for him to do it, but it's just saying because of the position, you shouldn't be doing that. alright I'm going to bring a little closer home. If I were to come in here the, uh, next Sunday and I'm, I'm, I blaze up a blunt in the front, and I just start puffing. And make a little smoke circle. You say pastor too good at that. He ain't supposed to. He, that's not very pastoral. Some of y'all say it ain't pastoral until you pass it. <laughs> that's pat You get it? Pastoral. Never mind. Never mind. I'm going to finish preaching so I can go home, y'all. I'm sorry. It's for my glaucoma, y'all. Stop. You would say that's not very pastoral. Pastors don't behave in such a way. You shouldn't do that because you're a pastor. You should be up here twerking and doing all that. You're a pastor. <laughs> but let me tell you something in Christ, He doesn't care about my position any more than He cares about your position. Somebody, I know you blew your theology, but you're a man of God. You're a man of God. You just have a different title. You ain't got to say amen. Say ouch. It says, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision, not made with hands. Now he's talking about this religious activity that goes forth that says this is what makes a Christian. He says, listen, you've been circumcised with a circumcision, not made with hands. I'm talking about a circumcised heart. I'm talking about a disposition towards God. I'm talking about you're acting the way that you should be acting towards God because God has done something inside of you. What has he done in you? Putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried, watch this, with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. What is he saying here? Listen, let yourself off the hook because you've been crucified with Christ. You've been buried with Christ in your resurrection. I mean, in your baptism. And you've been resurrected with him with all power. Some of us ain't going forward in God because we still have all this guilt on our conscience. And Jesus says, no, 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 you've been crucified and buried with me through your baptism, through your association. And he's not talking about the sprinkling of water or the dunking of water. He's saying you've been baptized in him. Somehow, I don't know how it works, when Jesus was hung out on that cross, we were inside of him. And the punishment that God was executing on Jesus was for us. And so we were inside of him. And so God is not going to put you back up on the cross again. So you need to stop putting yourself back up on the cross. You might as well just get over it and come on. Walk with him in a way that you're walking in him and you're doing things as Christ would do them. I guarantee you, if you were on your deathbed, you'd be preaching the same sermon. Soon as the doctor say you got a few weeks to live, you'd be preaching this same sermon. I'm telling you, I'm taking the theology from Mr. Ray. The older you get, the faster it goes. You ain't got forever. And we need to understand what he's called us to. And he hasn't called us to this world that we've created as Christians. He's called us to himself. He hasn't called us to church activities. He's called us to himself. And when we're called to himself and when we're walking in him, we do the things that the church does. But the church does. We don't put the cart before the horse. God, let us sink in. God, let us sink in. Hmm. Finally, this is the last thing I'm going to say. God is calling us all to be positionally in him and to be filled. And to be filled. And I'm just going to keep it real, and I'm going to keep it real for myself. If we were to say how many people in the room are filled and I'm not talking about just a tongue, a shout out by side time run around the church. I'm talking about filled under the influence of God, consistently under the influence of God. I guarantee you most churches, 95% of the hands will stay down. Some of us might even try to rely on that time that we were once filled. But the Bible talks about this consistent filling. The challenge is we're walking around with, with with a bucket full of Holy Ghost that got holes in it, and we leak. Every time you go off on somebody, a little leak out. Every time you hit the Internet and you watch something that you ain't supposed to be watching, that your eyes ain't supposed to be hitting, a little bit leaks out. Every time you get passive-aggressive with somebody, a little bit leaks out. Every time you look at your spouse sideways because they burnt the bacon, a little bit leaks out. Every, so we leak, and so we got to go back to God for this consistent feeling of us. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk on the Spirit. So in other words, I need to be filled where I am being influenced by the Spirit of God. I wake up in the morning and go, Spirit of God, influence me right now. I can't walk without you, God. I can't live without you. I need need to understand and I need to recognize that I am in you. And in you, I live and I move and I have my being. And outside of you, nothing good can happen. So, God, help me to maintain and abide in you. Listen, church, and I won't even talk about the whole church. I'm talking to you specifically, individually right now. If you were to just make up in your mind and make up in your heart that you're going to do your best to walk around and be indwelled and filled with the spirit of God on a daily basis, I guarantee you the world around you will change. The challenge is, it's hard. The challenge is, I don't want to do it. The challenge is, I'm only human. What do you expect of me, God? He expects you to be filled. He expects you to be rooted. He expects you to be built up in him. And so on this day, I want some people in the room, I want you to draw the line in the sand. And say, God, come hell or hot water, I'm going to be all that you've called me to be. I'm not going to get in the car and forget about this and say, oh, man, he sure was sweating a lot when he was preaching. Oh, he said some things that I don't necessarily agree with. Listen, I would love to go out to coffee with you and, and, and argue the intellectual fine points of my theological stance this morning. The challenge is. The church, especially in the West, is not being the church. And you see the church growing in places like Iran, where you go on the street and say, I'm a Christian if you want to, where their lives are in in, in imminent danger if they were to profess their faith outside of their homes, to the point where they're meeting in secret places, risking their lives in order to do what we take so casually. Dare I say the Christianity that many will see in the West is not Christianity at all. But just another philosophy. Listen, either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. They say these kind of, they say these are the kind of sermons stand that shut the church down. Folk don't come next week. Listen, I'm not standing on a high horse speaking to y'all. I promise I want to stop. I speak to myself in the mirror the same thing. And harkening back to two weeks ago, we need to wake up in the morning and those songs that we sing, as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. That's the God we say we serve? And we give him crumbs off the table? That's the God we say we serve, and we give him five minutes before our head hits the pillow? Oh, by the way, God, I love you. Bless Cindy. Amen. The word declares that he will come back like that. Like literally. We could be sitting in church, and I can say, what's that? And we all gone. We need to live our lives with that amount of urgency. Starting right now, I I perceive this. I perceive, y'all got the song right. I'm going to let y'all get to it in a minute. I perceive there are people in the room right now who simply need to repent. I'm not talking about a forced repentance just because pastor said it. Listen, this is between you and God. As you sit in your meditation moment, the rest of y'all just pray. But there are people in the room right now that you need to say, Father, forgive me for taking you too lightly. Father, forgive me for not seeing you for who you are. Father, forgive me for playing with this thing. But I want to live my life in a way that Paul was talking about in this book. I want to be so close to you, God, that that, that I can feel your breath. Not for any other reason, not for money, not for ministry position, not for any other reason. But that's what I was called to do. And I want to be with you. I want to love you. And even if your heart is not there, pray, God, help my heart get there. God, stir in the flame this thing that's on the inside of me, and I want to burn for you, oh God. So, for the next few moments as they sing, as best you can, don't focus on what they're doing on the stage, but focus on you and God. And allow Him to speak into your life, allow Him to move on your heart. And with everything that you can, everything you can muster up, give yourself away to him. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.